the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Tuesday the 20th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation, they provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can find or you can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them uh, at SuttonAndJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. Marsha, how are you doing this morning? I'm better now that I've got reinforcements in the studio. Uh, tell me about me it. tease you about it. Stuff. So you couldn't have any better reinforcements than uh, <laughs> the gentleman in studio with us this morning. It's Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Gibbons. Gentlemen, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Marsha. Good morning, Jordan. How are you, sirs and ma'am? Hanging in there okay, just fine. Wait, before we get into the interview, what's, what's your mama's first name? Tressa. Tressa. Okay, George, could you say happy birthday to Tressa? Happy birthday, Tressa. You only <laughs> turned 37 once. Remember that. But happy birthday. All the very best to you, man. Well, I thought you were going to sing with that. You know, nice deep voice. That'd have been nice I for bet a little he does happy sing. birthday. I'll, I'll wait till I'm in person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But thanks for joining us today. Tressa. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tressa, is that with a T H or just T E? T R E S S A. Tressa. Yeah. Okay. Not to be confused with Teresa. Please don't say oh, Teresa. She, yeah, well, she my probably... wife is Teresa, T-E-R. Oh, so. oh okay. So she got a shout out from, from the MPD. That's it. In a better voice than we could ever muster. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Very happy well, birthday, Tressa. well, thank you. My, my mom paid good money so I'd be reasonably tall and have this voice. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a story. For, for another, another time. day. For another <laughs> time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the first thing we want to get started uh, speaking with you guys with is uh, how impressive it was to see um, some of your uh, officers and just the force out uh, for the late Mayor Harry Johnson's funeral uh, a, a week or so ago. Um, uh, Marsha and I went to the viewing and then we saw the procession go through town. And uh, I guess we weren't necessarily expecting to see uh, a police presence there in that uh, capacity, but it was definitely a uh, it, it took you back when mm-hmm. you walked in and saw uh, the police there. It was a very powerful thing. Well, well, thank you so much. And, and such kind words. I greatly appreciate it. And I'll, uh, I'll pass that along to uh it is a tragedy. Uh, it was a loss. It was a loss uh, not only to our department, but this entire community. I mean, Harriet put her life and heart into everything, downtown especially, and also our police department. She loved you know, law enforcement. She loved our police department. Actually, she loved me a little bit too, so <laughs> I cared the world for her. But yes, we did. As soon as we, as soon as we got the news, uh, we draped our police department in mourning, uh, bunting, and also uh, for City Hall as well. Uh, we put our honor guard at both viewings. I know they were received very well. And uh, they also came to Graveside. They also came to the cemetery to present her with the city flag. I was one of the pallbearers uh, in her funeral. And I mm. cared greatly for her. But we caught all the corners, too. We made sure we caught all the corners. And I heard so many good compliments. First on my honor guard, I truly did. But then even the guys that were standing at parade rest on the corners to let the procession through. I was, 
I can't tell you how proud I am of our police department. I truly am, and I'm so proud of our guys and gals that were out there that day and in force uh, to do just that. Harriet would have liked that. She mm. really would have. She'd have smiled, and uh, it was well-deserved, and uh, she needed to see that one last time. Yeah, I think she would have really uh, been happy to see, especially the amount of people that were out just uh, watching you know, the procession come through downtown. I think, uh, Marsha, you saw somebody comment that it was her. Uh, it was fitting to, uh, that was her last ride you know, mm-hmm. through the city that she you know, loved and cared for so much. So uh, it was very, very special to see. Absolutely, and the people that lined downtown uh, at Main Street, I got calls, I got my cell phone was blown up the night before saying, hey, when do you think they'll be there? When mm-hmm. do you think the procession will come through? And I gave him the best estimate I could, and I got to tell you, I think I was right on the minute almost <laughs> when we were there. So, but I saw several people, some with their hands over the heart, some waving very, you know, very nicely uh, for her out of respect. So, I greatly appreciate it. What a town! I mean, this is home. This is home mm-hmm. to me. And what a town! Aaron, what does it mean to the officers on duty to to be able to? Oh, they were they were exceptional, and I I just have to say that going through that entire uh, process. I was fine, you know, I was fine during the funeral, but seeing those guys standing out there on the corners and then seeing them present that flag to uh, Tom, that was amazing. I lost it. I did. And because Harriet would have loved it. Absolutely. That's what, that's what she was about and she would have loved it. And my heart and prayers still go out to Tom, her husband, Uh, Tom, you know, if you need something yelled, you have my cell number as well, but uh, my heart and prayers go out for you. And uh, anything that we can do as a department or myself personally, just ask, and we'd be glad. And there to was do no it. hesitation. You asked about the guys. There was no hesitation to cover corners, cover the funeral, cover the, you know, whatever we needed. That's what they were there for, and they they did they did great. Absolutely. Whether they were on the corners or in honor guard, they did awesome. Absolutely, uh, my detectives suited up, put uniforms yeah. on to catch corners, and. Uh, it, it was well-received, I think, by the community. I heard a lot of good compliments, and not only from you all, but from people in the town saying she would have loved that. That's so good of you. And we were glad to do it. I knew from the beginning that when that happened, and I knew that it was going to, when that happened, there was no doubt what we were doing. I knew as a chief that's what we're doing. Right. And uh, the support I got from the department and how they turned out was tremendous. Yeah, it was uh, it was very impressive. I got there right when uh, you know the procession was turning the corner onto uh, Queen Street, and once it went through, uh, even, there was even more people running down the street because once they saw the cars coming, like, oh, it's, this is the uh, the procession, yeah. and it, it was it was very moving to see the community come together and everybody uh, in you know in remembrance of uh, the late Mayor Harriet Johnson. So, yeah, that was very cool, very cool. And yet the business of the community, the city continues tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They uh, ostensibly will name a replacement. The council had the right. They could have named one immediately, uh, but they have a process where they have 10 names now. Uh, 10 people put their hats in the ring on Friday. Uh, The journal has a nice piece about that that names them all. uh, Some of them sitting council members, some Mm -hmm. of them uh, folks who ran the last time. So uh, we'll we'll know uh, this time, maybe Thursday, who the new mayor will be. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they're going to go through the complete process. They opened it up to the public as well. I know from what I saw last, there was uh, three sitting council members and I think seven uh, outside applications I put in. So uh, it'll it'll be, uh, I'm sure that they will weigh each appropriately and accordingly and hopefully that they come up with a decision and, and they feel good about it and the city will persevere and the city will move forward as it always does. So how are things going uh, in the city? Uh, I mean, how has the crime been? It doesn't seem like there has been uh, ever since, you know, uh, what was it, a handful, uh, maybe a month ago where uh, unfortunately one of the officers uh, was um, uh, shot in the protective vest, of course, but uh, it doesn't seem that there has been a, a very many, 
I guess, high profile things like that since, which I guess is a testament uh, to y'all and your uh, uh, officers out on duty. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the state trooper uh, that yeah. was shot, my, my prayers still go out to him. I know that he's made a recovery and he and he, he's back on the job immediately just about. But my prayers go out to him and his family. That's You don't get much more traumatic no. than that. And uh, crime has been, <clears throat> we've been on top of it. And it's also, you know, we're coming out of this COVID pandemic. And uh, we pretty much, I kind of equated to kind of like a dreary winter in the mm-hmm. way that crime happens and what goes on. And the same kinds of types of crime, property crime, shoplifting and stuff went up, went up dramatically. Uh, B&Es and things kind of also as well. And, and some, but, you know, real dangerous crimes, crimes with guns and stuff were down. And uh, we'd like to keep it that way. And. To be truthful, we're going to keep it that way. Now, so. have you seen any kind of uptick now that people are kind of, you know, getting out and, uh, you know, the heat's starting to get hot and, you know, people start to get a little crazy when it gets hot out. Have you seen any, you know, uptick in, you know, maybe just petty things that are going around? A lot, so, of, a lot of petty things, but nothing in, in particular for right. specific instances. But right. We always have something that we're dealing with, whether mm-hmm. or not that gets out to the news or. Right, of course. Summertime. Worthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But summertime, it definitely, definitely does. There is an uptick in. Oh, the tempers, the dog days. Plus this year, everybody's out and about. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. Summertime brings heat out. It makes tempers flare when people are in close proximity to each other. Some of these residences don't don't have air conditioning. So there are more people out, like uh, the deputy chief said, there's more people out and about, but there's still a close proximity. And Mm -hmm. sometimes tempers flare and sometimes it's due with the heat. And sometimes uh, drinking is another thing and where domestics and stuff go up as well a little bit. So those are expected. Those are expected. They, they run in cycles. So earlier, uh, I guess it was earlier this month, um, a suspect turned himself in in the Queen Street Gallery break-in. To me, watching that video, and it was great that you guys had the access to the video and you could distribute it. Watching that was very um, disconcerting because those guys looked like they knew what they were doing, where they were going, and it looked like they were going after a weapon, um, maybe a weapon safe. Uh, so what's the update on that? And, uh, how can we prevent something like that from happening? Well, the video was telling, I mean, it, it was by far and you're exactly right, Marsha. They bypassed the, when they smashed in the front door, they went right to where the gun safe gun vault is for special you know, uh, items and especially, especially firearms. They didn't look at anything else. That's where they were going. But the video was tremendous. You can make out facial detail and you could see their clothing and such like that. So we gave it like a day. I I got the video immediately and uh, we gave it a day to see if our people ourselves could find out who it was. But I got to give a shout out to patrolman Nashawn Cook. He's tremendous. He not only ID'd them, he ID'd them from the video. I mean, that's kind of officers I got. And he's just a standout. He not only ID'd them, he bolstered his case by getting witnesses that also knew about the crime and knew who it was in the video and knew that they had done it to bolster his identification. And then uh, he's arrested both. Both suspects are now been arrested. The first one was more immediate. The second one was shortly thereafter. But I got to tell you, I got a great officer. I got a great cop, Sean Cook. He did a tremendous job with that, and I can't say enough good things about him. And you were asking about prevention. I mean, it, it has to do with the community. See something, say something. Sitting there watching that video, you see two cars drive by while it's happening. That's where people stand up and they say something. Hey, I'm, I see something going on. This is very suspicious. Call us. You know, we, we can be right on top of it. We're a minute or two away. And that's, that's how a lot of things get solved. Exactly. Uh, the deputy chief, Aaron, hit it right on the nose. You see something out of place. You see a door busted in her glass yeah. on, the, on the sidewalk. 
call us. Our response time, because I did this survey and this measurements, our response time for some time is three minutes. It's hmm. three minutes in the city. Most of the time, it's immediate because we're on patrol 24-7, and we're right there on the call. So you can see on that video, they know that. They're looking out that door to see when the police are coming, where they're at. You can see them looking out to make sure we're not right there. And we have caught people doing B&Es right in the act because we are so much more responsible because of the proximity and distance plus the amount of people we got that are constantly overlapping and on patrol. So you could see them looking for us and they're right. We're coming for you. You're going to break into something right downtown during this COVID yeah. pandemic when people are just barely getting by scraping by. That's what, that's what's upsetting. Marcia It's businesses are barely getting by several went under and when they're trying to get by and you're going to break in to rob them now, not in my town. No, we're not. Yeah. And I also thought that took a little bit of guts to, you know, break into something that's literally what a half a block from the police station. I thought that was uh, kind of impressive too, that they decided that that was their, you know, target place. And Absolutely. That's, and Absolutely. That's, that's what cut them short too. Yeah. You know, they're sitting there looking, 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 they know we're, we're right. coming. So that's why it cut them short. Did they yeah. end up getting anything? No, they got nothing. They got nothing that from, but their intent nothing but a charge. was their intent was to break in. Yeah, good. <laughs> their their intent was to break and enter and to get something, to get something out of that that uh, B and E. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. You can see by the amount of force they were using on that door to get past the security cage and unfortunately it did not open up it did not let anyone into it but they were trying the best but they knew what they believed was in there they knew what they were going for they knew what they were trying to get because they passed everything they never looked at the register they never looked at any items in the thing they went into the front door and immediately to that vault wow so uh, definitely uh, i guess premeditated you'd say huh absolutely he absolutely yeah. they, they knew where they were going oh yeah well speaking of having personnel on the job you guys have a few new officers right we do. We've hired two brand new officers, and uh, they are working as we speak. They're both on the streets right now as we speak. Uh, one of them, I believe, just come off night shift, and one will be coming on 4 to 12. So they're immediately with a training officer. Uh, two brand new guys. and Tyler Rose I, and Ricky Gusford. I, just wanted I, to get I, I Rick, took his paper. I wanted to get Ricky's first, <laughs> first name there. I, I didn't want to mispronounce <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, Tyler Rose and Ricky Gaspard, uh, I've already got them uh, set up. Um, shout out to Miss Watson down at the West Virginia State Police Academy. Mm-hmm. She's my lifeline down there. Uh, they are put into the very next class coming up in August. They'll be going to the West Virginia State Police Academy uh, for their training, hopefully. And uh, we're fortunate. We're coming back in numbers. One of the things that I stressed when I first took this position I got to bring these numbers back up. We are down so many people that we need to come back up to function as a good police department, but to also do the things in the community that we've always done and we've wanted to do. So immediately when they're hired, you know, they go through all their qualifications, their firearms training, everything, self-defense, everything training, suited up and then put with a training officer 24-7 wherever they go. They have their training officer with them. But they're another set of hands. There's something, right. someone learning the job, but there's someone else. So, hey, you're going to have to do some of this grunt work too mm-hmm. because we are still shorthanded some. But we're coming back. We're coming back strong, and I'm very proud of it. And the test is coming up in July. Uh, as I'm speaking, by the end of the month, I believe we're going to have another application test as well. So the recruitment is uh, going well. I mean, I know that that, I mean, across the country, uh, it seems like police uh, – uh, like police, uh, what am I trying to say? Is Recruitment is down. down. Mm-hmm. People are looking for you know more people out on the street and more patrolmen. So I guess it's uh, going pretty well for y'all. There's still an interest. I mean, yeah. there's still a ever you know people grow up thinking they want to be a police officer, right? 
Well, we're looking for those ones that want to be a police officer, and there's still a lot of them out there, and they show up at those at those uh, recruiting procedures. Mm-hmm. You, you betcha. I mean, uh, in this, and especially in a COVID pandemic, when people are being laid off, when companies are going under, we're hiring. We're hiring. But it's not a job. It's a career. And if you signed up for the career in law enforcement, Martinsburg Police Department is where to start. Get in. Get Let us train you. See the city. Let us show you what we offer. We got the most beautiful, cutting-edge Martinsburg Police Department anywhere in this country. I'll put our PD up against anyone's in this country. By far, the best municipal police department in this state. By far. It is a pretty building. Everyone that comes to it says, oh, my Lord, this is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it is so efficient. It was designed. Well, I had a great team. I had a great team of everyone from patrol, detectives, civilians, dispatchers, everyone sitting down telling me what we can do, how we can do the inside and make this more functional as a department to do what we do best, get in and get out, get your reports done, everybody's safe, everybody's sound, and then get back out on the streets and to the civilian population that we patrol. It's our town. Get back out on patrol. Now, uh, another thing I know you guys are very proud of is your canine unit. Now, uh, I think you have a new canine uh, officer and handler, right? Anyway. Yeah. We, we do indeed. Uh, the one thing that I did when I wanted, uh, when I made chief is that I was going to have three canines. Uh, we have hired now two more, uh, Baff and uh, Patrolman Aaron Miller. It's our second canine. Anybody that's seen that dog loves him. He's a <laughs> huge dog. And uh, Aaron's just he's just a great officer, great cop. He's on my honor guard, my SRT. And he was even in the junior police academy. But now we're <clears throat> we're breaching out and getting a third dog. Uh, that dog will be selected from Shallow Creek Kennel in Pennsylvania. That's where we get all of our canines. And the officer that uh, it was very close. It was a very close interview process for it. But the officer that got it is Dalton Condo. He's one of my investigators. So it's a little bittersweet because I'm mm-hmm. I'm losing a detective. But I'm gaining a great canine officer, and he'll be tremendous. And that's his smiling face right there, uh, Marcia. That's his smiling face. She gave us a read ahead. So, yeah. uh, he's excited. I mean, I could see it when he was interviewing, and I know Aaron will uh, attest to this too. You could see the passion in his eyes. I saw the passion for canine. You know, that's what I want to be. That's what I've always wanted, that bond with dogs. I just love that. I've always been around it. I want to be canine so badly. And he had the passion that I had when I made detective. I knew I wanted to be in plain clothes. I knew I wanted to be an investigator. And I saw that the same in his eyes. So he'll be an excellent standout. And I believe they're going up in August to select the new canine. And I got to say the one thing, the one thing that I really pride ourselves on is that dog. It's not cheap. It's $15,000 for the training and the dog. But what that was taken from is the drug forfeiture fund. That didn't cost one taxpayer in that city or this county one dime. Hmm. What a great tool in this opioid war, and that's what I'm in with it, with this opioid war that one of the greatest tools we can use was bought with drug dealer money. So right. how, how ironic is that? Mm-hmm. And also, having three dogs, you know, having three dogs, we have three shifts, so bolstering that shift, having a dog for each shift is great. Absolutely. It's great news. We love to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have 24-hour-a-day uh, canine coverage now, one mm-hmm. on each shift. And the shift seat as well, they can now count that canine as a member of their ship. So when vacations are coming up or something, somebody has another person on their ship that they can take off to make you know arrangements or whatever they want. So that's a big, big plus for shift as well. And it, and it draws camaraderie. And then I'm hoping it'll also draw a little competition. Hey, you know, Baff and Miller right. got this dope seizure last <laughs> night. You going to do anything with his dog? You know what right. I'm saying? Right. So I think it will. I think it'll draw a little competition <laughs> as well. Wow. 
Some great community support. Also, Little Caesars Restaurant donated GPS tracking and mapping uh, collar for Bath. They did. It was it was so touching. They really did. Uh, their general manager and all called us and presented it, and uh, through donations from not only the employees from Little Caesar but the customers coming in, they wanted to do it. They wanted to donate money to get him a tracking GPS collar. So when he's out on a track for a suspect, if he should ever become separated from his handler, Aaron Miller, we can go back to our smartphone or the devices that are included and find out exactly where my dog is. They can also find if they're together and something happened to Aaron, I can find Aaron and the dog. It, it, it was an outpouring of heartfelt right. feelings that just said, hey, we want to help keep your dog and your officer a little more safe. And I can't thank them enough for that. That's yeah, great little stuff. Caesar, little Caesars took the initiative to, to do this project, and I, I got my, my heart's in, you know, I know that their heart's in the right place, and they really stood out and came through for us. They, yeah, they truly did. That was so nice for for them to do that for us and for customers to add. You know, I love that, that customers in this town say, mm-hmm. hey, we want to put a couple dollars towards that, too. That's so, pretty popular. Good stuff. So. Hey, Bab, Bab, yeah. hey, I learned a long time ago, and we've taken them on radio Beautiful. shows. We've yeah. taken them on TV. But we, I learned a long time ago, whatever you're doing a talk, get out what you want to say before the dog act. Don't can't ever the, follow the dog act. Can't beat the dog. Because everybody wants to see that dog. And he's a big dog. He's Absolutely. A big dog. Again, we're speaking with uh, Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Givens. And we only have a few minutes left. And one thing I want to talk about is uh, uh, an event that I think is really cool. And I'm glad that this is uh, really stuck in across the country. And it's National Night Out, uh, which is Tuesday, August 3rd, down at War Memorial Park. Now, uh, for you guys, what does, you know, national night out mean for you for your officers and for the community that's what it is all about is the community that's us getting opening up getting out in the community you know keeping up with and starting new friendships with everybody in the community and that's our invitation to the community to come join us for for national night outs Uh, agreed i mean you hit it right on the head aaron i mean that is what it's about The police department is part of this community. We always have been. We always will be. And that's a way to come get to know us. Come see us. Come see what we have to offer. Come see who we are. Talk to us one-on-one. Hey, eat eat a hamburger. Eat something from Chick-fil-A. Make a hot dog or something. Go swimming. We have the pool from 6 to 8.30. We we have uh, the putt-putt golf as well for your kids. Bring your kids out. Let them see our police department in the light that we always have been and always will be. And it's a drawing together of community, and it's a way to break bread a little bit with everybody there, and it's a good time. And we couldn't do it last year because of COVID, but we are most certainly doing it this. Lieutenant Darby, i got to give a shout-out to him. He's the one that's in charge with this, so don't mess this up, Lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing great stuff. I'm not trying to put any pressure on you, but I know he's working diligently on it, and it'll be a great time. So come out and see us August 3rd, Tuesday. Yeah, again, National Night Out, Tuesday, August 3rd, down at War Memorial Park from 6 to 8. Uh, and again, we're speaking with uh, Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Gibbons. Uh, before we go to break, anything else uh, pressing on the docket that you guys want to uh, share with the people out there? No, I think we're good, and I really appreciate it. And hey, you know, you all are part of this community, and you're so supportive of my police department. I can't thank you enough. And if you're out and about, come out see us August 3rd, Tuesday at War Memorial Park. Get a cheeseburger, get something to drink, and, and just share some time with us if you can. We'd love to have you. But thank you guys so much. You're as big a part of this town as anyone in here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for stopping in. And uh, when I, li- I live just right around the corner from the uh, station. I walk the dog past every, well, three times a day I walk in front of the uh, the front door. And I'm waiting one of these times for Bath to come strolling out. And my dog, he thinks he's kind of a tough guy walking around. But when he sees a dog like that, uh, 
I'm sure that he will uh, quickly <laughs> run away and go the he other way. He's a big Absolutely. dog. Again, uh, Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Givens, thanks for stopping in and stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marcia Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm, Spring, West Virginia, and Maryland. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. I uh, just want to quickly, uh, before we go back to another break, as our uh, next guest is already uh, here uh, with us, want to say thank you to Police Chief and Deputy Chief of the uh, Martinsburg Police Department for stopping in and hanging out with us. Those guys are always a good time to have in studio. They are, and and maybe maybe someday they'll bring a dog with them, and it'll mm. be fun. That, I'm, that would definitely be a full studio One in here with. Uh, but the good thing about canine police canine dogs is that they're very well trained. So if mm-hmm. he does start jumping around, I'm sure uh, they could say if something. If he starts and it jumping around, there are drugs somewhere. Oh gosh, that is true. <laughs> and and we need to talk to the weekend crew. <laughs> that is, yeah, absolutely. But uh, if you missed any of that conversation with Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Gibbons, you can always uh, listen back to it uh, over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page a little bit later on. But before we get to our next guest, we have to go hit one more break, and we'll be back for more here on Panhandle Live. <laughs> WPM and WCSD, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years, with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, a full-service law firm spring West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. If you missed it before, well, at the start of the show, we had Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Gibbons on to talk about uh, the uh, late Mayor uh, Johnson's funeral and uh, the police presence that was there for that. That was uh, very um, impactful, Mm -hmm. I would say, for, I think, uh, everyone that was uh, there to witness it and then of course national night out and some different things going on around the city so if you missed any of that you can always listen back to it over on our panhandle live facebook page but joining us in studio now is walt eifert and rick caruso from the shepherdstown rotary club how y'all doing this morning fine thank you thank you for inviting us here we Absolutely. are doing great thank you absolutely i love that they brought a tiny tiny desk with them it's absolutely so... it's a, and it's all handmade right well we'll mm-hmm. get into it so talk to us about these uh tiny well the tiny handmade desks that you uh, brought in and uh, kind of what you are doing with those rick why don't you give the intro a little bit of the history and then I'll, I'll pick it up as we go well the rotary club of shepherdstown is about 72 members strong and we always try to find service projects that are meaningful to the community so we have multiple avenues of service uh, typically, it's overseas, and we're building wells, or we're doing sanitary facilities for third world countries. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of overseas work being done, but locally, we want to give back to the community, and most importantly, we like to keep our membership engaged in multiple projects. What was better <laughs> than perhaps a student desk project? It's carpentry skills, but it's more than that. So we found, um, actually, personally. I like to watch the uh, Baltimore uh, television station, WJZ-TV. I watch that every morning myself. There you go. My wife hates Marty Bass. but Uh, Well, Marty Bass, he's a tough (laughs) pill to swallow sometimes. It wears a little bit thin. But nonetheless, uh, Sean Stryker did a uh, presentation with the Dream Builders group out of Howard County. Mm -hmm. 
And specifically, this group uh, worked on uh, home renovations and so forth. But with the advent of COVID, they found they couldn't do home construction. So they picked up on this project for student desks, portable, lightweight desks for students who were working remotely and had to uh, deal with Zoom and laptop computers and so forth. And a lot of these students didn't have the wherewithal, the facilities at home to spread out their school books. It would typically be the bedroom bed or the kitchen table. So they came up with this unique design and there were two principals, John Macbeth and uh, Jeff Kasman from Dream Builders that uh, came up with a prototype. They built its desk. It's weighs about, what do you say, Walt? About 20, thir- tor- 23 pounds. 23 mm. pounds. Okay, so it's fairly lightweight. Yeah. It folds up to about eight inches deep, and it's perfect. It's got the ideal work surface. So uh, they came by this project. I watched the news broadcast, and they said, hmm, this is kind of neat. Won't we bring it out to Jefferson County, Berkeley County? Um, originally, they had church groups all working together and they would have a production line set up with um, saws and nail guns and uh, painters and they put these desks together and throw them back in the pickup truck and bring them off to the school system so we'd like to mimic that but we only had Sundays and we had 72 members of which maybe 20 percent would show up on any given day and we found this remarkable resource in Whiting's Neck, Walt Eifert's workshop. It's uh, Oh, okay. I would, I would like to make an analogy to Norm Abrams' uh, Yankee workshop. But he's got, <laughs> Walt's got drill presses and table saws, nail guns, compressors, everything in his barn. Well, I'd be in danger if I walked in there. It, it was a lot of fun, but you have to be careful uh, what to do with a nail gun. So we embarked on this project, got the plans from Dream Builders, did a lot of consulting, and Walt came up with the a prototype desk project. We were a little bit inhibited with the weather because we started in December of mm-hmm. last year. Uh, of course, we were up against COVID, but cold weather on Sundays, and it's an outdoor facility. Yeah. So we worked at his other workshop, uh, did a lot of the groundwork, and then the lumber prices spiked. That's, that's, oh. that's what I was, that was going to be my next question. I mean, goodness, it seems like what uh, – Two by four is what, like three grand now just for one of them, right? (laughs) Well, it's something like that. But we did negotiate (laughs) a decent price. And I'll say, well, how did you pay for these things? Because we put 100 desks together for about, you know, a student body that is approximately, I think, uh, 2,000 people in Jefferson County. So uh, we we got the uh, price down. We worked with Clear Spring Lumber, and uh, they provided us with some great poplar lumber and the um, plywood facility and of course walt's got a panel saw like you'd see in one of the big box of course (laughs) he's got everything over there uh and we recruited the help of uh, fellow rotarians some people were pretty skilled at moving a saw or running a nail gun and others were like regulated to staining or lacquering or nailing in i call them the bungs the plugs Mm -hmm. that cover up the nail holes i'm gonna let Walt, talk a little bit about the precision and insistence on perfection as far as the building of these desks are concerned. But it was great. I've got video clips on here of people working and hammering and stuff. It was like Geppetto's workshop. (laughs) Was it Geppetto's or Walt's workshop? It it was Walt's workshop. And we did get them done. uh, But at the end of the school year, we said, you know, this is just as good for working at home, even if you're not with under uh, COVID restrictions. 
But that's enough now. I'll let you uh, go ahead and proceed. Walt, why don't you talk a little bit about sure. the, the craftsman, construction. craftsman Walt, I feel like I should say. Well, we I call myself a wood butcher. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, could, I could ruin a good piece of wood faster than mm-hmm. anyone can. Well, it, it was a neat project that was, um, was uh, uh, found through Rick, and we brought that to fruition. We put a prototype together, uh, a prototype model together. We, we made some modifications to, to their design. Um, we did things like we did stain the desks, and we did apply a lacquer finish to the desks. So a little classier, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. But we use, what's interesting is um, when we ordered the lumber from Hicksville Planning Mill, up in, in Clear Springs, they, they work with us, and, and as Rick had said, the, the price of lumber right after we bought it had gone sky high, and we bought uh, three thousand linear feet of, of poplar, one and a half by one and a half inch poplar, that we physically cut. In wow, three thousand feet over a half mile to make these desks. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I could cut a straight one, like <laughs> for like half, a, half a foot. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't do it either. <laughs> Well, there was that part of it, and then we cut, we bought plywood panels, birch, and we, we cut those to sections to make the desktops and the ledgers, and then we made jigs to put all of these pieces together, and we did this uh, out at, out at the, uh, the compound, as it's, been, <laughs> it's, it's now known, and we had wonderful help. The people from Shepherdstown Rotary and others came out. We, Rick would cook hamburgers in the afternoon, and uh, everybody would work away, and we put 94 desks together. We wow. have enough for 10 more, and uh, of those desks, we're going to be we did we donated 45 to the Jefferson School District. Uh, we have 20 this Thursday. We're giving to the Shepherdstown Daycare Center, hmm. and then in mid-August, we'll give 45 additional desks to the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Eastern Panhandle. Wow, that's impressive. That's and, very cool. And you see these uh, going home then with the kids. Both. Uh, they're made to actually send home with the kids. Um, some, I think, the, sh- the, uh, I, I think that the, the Boys and Girls Club's desk will probably go into their new facility because they need, I think mm-hmm. they need some, mm-hmm. the way it was explained to us. But a lot of these desks we are donating, they're free, and they're made for the kids to, to take home and keep. Wow. Again, we're speaking with Walt Eifert and uh, Rick Caruso from the Shepherdstown Rotary Club. Um, so how long did it take to put one of these desks together i mean you've made so many of them and you said you still can make some are you more. looking for like the I, the optimum time like well the i'm just fastest? saying because i mean the, the the model that you showed us i mean it's not the most complex uh, i feel like that is maybe a slightly disrespectful thing to say it's not the most complex thing but i mean it's going to take some time to put all those together so i mean how long have you guys been you know working on this i mean since december pretty much Every every weekend? Yeah, every other weekend there, so to speak. I think it was about a probably a four-month effort. Now, if you talk to dream builders, this can be done in three sessions with 40 people out in a parking lot in the summertime. But we're working in winter, so we're working in somewhat adverse directions and people's schedules. And it was really regulated to the Rotary Club of Shepherdstown plus high school students. We did get them involved as well. So we had the Rotary Extends into Interact, Interact. Mm -hmm. you're familiar with that, (laughs) and Rotaract at the college. So we got some of those kids to participate. And Walt had it set up so when all these people would come in, and we typically have about 10 or 12 people would show up on a Sunday afternoon, uh, but he'd have all the stations ready to go. So we'd have maybe two compressors running for the nail guns. We'd have uh, sanders running in the vacuums to get the sawdust out and so forth. Edge banding was a big thing. Everyone fun. hated edge now, banding. Now, what is that? We, oh, you take yes. a piece of plywood, the desktop, mm-hmm. and the ledger in the back, we call it. It's a smaller piece. 
And because it's plywood, you want to cover those edges. Mm -hmm. So they make a banding material that you cut to size and iron on. Mm. And you iron that on, it glues and sticks, and then you take a trimmer and you trim the extra uh, excess. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it comes out beautifully all the way around, so it finishes your edges in the plywood. But uh, it's a little bit, uh, I guess, labor-intensive, that part of it. The craftsmanship. Monotonous. Yeah, yeah, Perhaps yeah. a little sanding would have to go, and then you got to trim the stuff off and... It, there was a lot of detail work on that. I mean, you look at this desk and you've got a, a small, can we show it on radio? How do you show it? <laughs> it's so, it, okay, it's about the size, the, the prototype uh, for an American Girl doll, if that gives you mm. any kind. And it's just adorable. And one of the things I love about it, um, and I know you guys are going to be um, uh, giving these to uh, the Shepherdstown, um, uh, one of the preschools there, right? Yes, daycare center. Uh, it, that it's portable. It's got a little handle yes, on it. Yeah. So the kiddos can pick it up and take it where they need to take it. And right. it folds down to four and a half inches wide. Yeah. So you can put it anywhere. You can put it anywhere. Right. You mentioned, Marsha, you mentioned the American Girl dolls. Okay, the one we brought is a what? A one-sixth scale? One-third. One-third scale. So the real Let's desks are a little bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, <like> obviously. <laughs> yeah, afterwards, I do have one out in the car. They'll <laughs> all run out in the parking lot to take a look at the desk. That's very cool. Again, we're speaking with Walt Eifert and Rick Caruso from the Shepherdstown Rotary Club. Uh, we have a few minutes until we have to get to our uh, last break but can you tell people i guess how to uh, get in touch with you guys maybe if they want to learn more about these desks or those the rotary club in general rick Please. Okay, so uh, <laughs> www.shepherdstownrotary.org is our website address. Um, uh, we don't have a centralized phone number, but there's a number of members here. You have a rotary club of uh, Martinsburg here, actually two of them, a morning and an afternoon. We all uh, interface with one another in Charlestown, but it's the Shepherdstown Club you want. Uh, we do have the website out there, perhaps a phone number I could share my own. I don't know how we do this on, I don't want to give the Oh yeah, don't, don't worry yeah, about it. You don't got to worry about a personal number. number. Yeah, we, I think people, a Google search can probably get you where you need it, to yeah, go to. It would too. indeed. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, a Dream Builders desk project is what we worked on. I did want a caveat about the Jefferson County school system. We delivered those 45 desks. How do you distribute that to 2,000 students in the system? Well, we have, they have 45 right now. If they need more, they can ask. But the plan is to get the, uh, I think they call it uh, a SHOMO or SOMO, the Social and Emotional Director of Jefferson County mm -hmm. Schools mm -hmm. involved. It's kind of a new program over there. It is. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced to this uh, gentleman who does that. And uh, they're supposed to work with the guidance staff to make an adequate distribution people in need. Figure so out who needs not the Not for most. us to figure out, mm -hmm. but we wanted to make sure it was good. And the daycare center was kind of cool because that will be permanent fixtures at the daycare center. They will not be taking them home. So you have these diminutive uh, students about my height, and uh, sitting at these desks, and we figured, oh, this is going to be cool. And we're doing a presentation this Thursday afternoon, so we're going to. It's very neat. Really awesome. Interestingly, too, for the Shepherdstown Daycare Rotary, just finished a project with them. It's called the Learning Box Program, where we provided 58 students with uh, during COVID with a, a, a learning box, which has all this learning activities in it for a day. They get one a day for 58, uh, actually for a full year to cover 58 students. Wow. That's impressive. That's amazing. Because they're doing good work over there. Absolutely. Again, uh, Walt Eifert and Rick Caruso from the Shepherdstown Rotary Club. Uh, I guess one last thing, since you seem to be, uh, Walt, such a uh, craftsman, are you going to be, uh, I guess, uh, helping out with the rebuilding of the library oh in goodness. Shepherdstown? Goodness. 
No, they nobody's asked me about that. <laughs> well, I'll make sure I'll make sure to take that off when uh, I put this up on our Facebook page a little bit later on if you've missed any of the conversation. But again, uh, Walt Eifert and Rick Caruso uh, stopping in. Thanks for stopping in and uh, chatting with us a little bit. And those desks are so cool. That's such a cool project. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Marsha. Absolutely. Stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their new historic location at 224 West King Street in downtown Martinsburg. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed any of this show at the beginning, we had Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood and Deputy Chief Aaron Gibbons on. And then before the last break, we had Walt Eifert and Rick Caruso from the Shepherdstown Rotary Club to talk about a very cool project uh, that they have been working on for a few months now. And if you've missed any of these conversations, you can always listen back to them over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page. I love those stories. I love bringing those stories to our yeah, listeners. Very cool. I mean, uh, who would have thought uh, to make you know portable desks, for, mm-hmm. especially for kids in uh, during these you know pandemic times? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing I just would never think of and how useful that is for so many kids out there, just people in general. So picture this, over about four months, four and a half months, they put around 100 desks together uh, with just volunteers and, and a guy being very generous with his word, woodworking shop, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having to split that lumber and, you know, uh, even boards and all right. of that. It's just amazing to think it, all of the camaraderie that must have happened there too, but the people who were willing to step up. Absolutely. And it's all, you know, and they're just giving it back to their community. And uh, as we were saying during the break, it's not like they were going on a publicity tour when they were Mm -hmm. doing this to tell people like, hey, look what we're doing. They were just thought this would be cool for kids and people in the area and had the means to do it. So just did it, which I think is even cooler uh, of a situation as well. If you have a student who's lucky enough to get one of these, um, just imagine the kinds of craftsmanship and the the different people and personalities that went into that. Absolutely. So, uh, and if you do, uh, I, I guess, know of anybody that uh, has has any of those desks, feel free to take a picture of it, send it to us on our Facebook really cool. page. Uh, yeah, we'd be very interested uh, to see that. But uh, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, anything important you uh, want to talk about? Oh, so uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, 10 names came in uh, uh, by the deadline. Uh, for filling the the mayor's position, the county council could or the city council could have made that appointment anytime they wanted to. They decided to go through this process, so they'll be looking at these ten application packets, and ostensibly the decision will be made tomorrow at a special meeting of the Martinsburg City Council, which begins at six thirty. Oof, very. Uh, is ner- I guess nervous isn't uh, a lot of an- highly anticipated mm-hmm. uh, this decision. And, uh, I wonder if people are making bets about this or oh. just casually making bets. people have made bets about a lot less of a big deal than uh, the next mayor of a city Good point. trust me trust me on that one that's for sure but uh, i'll be interested to see how it all shakes out tomorrow mm-hmm. and again you said it's six six thirty six thirty yeah uh, we'll have the full report the, oh, the following day, of course. Yeah, so uh, if you miss any of that, you can always uh, hear it and get your updates here on uh, WPM and WCST. But for Marsha Kavalik, I'm Jordan Ice Warner, and we will talk to you tomorrow.
AM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. This is the Panhandle News Network, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station. 